There's oil in this place. Amen. Anybody in a hurry? You sure? All right. You said it, not me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let me just set this up for you guys. This morning, I want to talk to you about the pressing. I want to share with you a couple of words about the pressing before. I feel like this is a valuable word, and so I want to share it today. Uh, And uh, it's funny because on Father's Day, I'm going to be talking to you about 10 virgins. Um, Some of you fathers are like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. So how many of you guys know that God's time frame is not built on the American calendar? We're not going to get a cool story about like Samson beating everyone up or something? No, get over it. Okay, so uh, I knew it shouldn't have come on Father's Day. should have gone on the lake. Uh, hallelujah. So I'm just going to set this illustration right here for just a second. I got a sermon illustration, guys. Yeah, finally, right? Holy Spirit's been so thick, I haven't had time to do anything like this. No, we do not. Yes, we will need a fire extinguisher later. Not now. Not now. Hallelujah. I want you to see that this, this cup of oil is completely full, and this one is completely empty. Do you want to take a guess which one's God and which one's us? Is that real simple? Okay, I just want to set that up as you watch this. I want you to watch as I place this wick inside this container, and I want you to see as we go through this, you see if you can see it already, and maybe the camera can do like a super zoom on that for a moment, just on maybe this one right here. So you can see if you probably can't get any closer than that, but you will see this one is completely empty. And if you take a look at this, you'll see that it's dripping into the other container. Even though this other container, it has to travel up and then back down, it is dripping into this container. Maybe I'll move it up just a tiny bit and see if you can see it dripping. There is a transference happening between these two glasses. There is a transference of liquid happening between these two glasses. And I believe that there is something valuable we can learn from this full carrier of oil and this empty carrier of oil. And it comes from Jesus' parable about the ten bridesmaids or the ten virgins. It says in Matthew verse, uh, chapter 25, uh, verse 1, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Say lamps. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. And those who were foolish took their lamp and took no oil. Say no oil. With them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamp. I want you to point out that wise people have oil in their vessel. There is a difference between the oil and the vessel. That will be important. The oil and the vessel. But the wise took the oil in their vessels with their lamp. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. I want you to notice also that the bridegroom is delayed. He has not yet arrived. And it doesn't say just the foolish ones went to sleep. It also says the wise went to sleep. Understand there's a season upon us as we wait for Jesus that it's just not the foolish that fall asleep. It is also those that count themselves as wise, that even God would call wise. It is not enough to be wise. It is necessary to stay awake. The church has gone to sleep, the wise and foolish alike. Some churches are walking around being fools. Other ones are walking around being wise, but they are asleep. They are asleep, and it's time for the bride to wake up. At midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, a bridegroom is coming. 
I go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Trimmed their lamps meant made sure there was enough oil in them. They put more oil in them, not trimmed. They didn't, you know, they didn't get scissors out, okay? And cut those, and they, they, they filled it up with oil. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, no, lest there be, should not be enough for us and you, go, uh, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him and the wedding and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said to them, surely I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour to which the son of man is coming. Now this is three parables that Jesus gives us in this moment of chapter 25 and on. He's, he's giving a speech here and he continues on with two more parables. The next one is the sower, the, the one bag of gold or the one talent, five and ten, right? The one buries, I've talked about that, one buries, the other two double. And he, and he gives that example. The kingdom of heaven is like these bridesmaids. The kingdom of heaven is also like these that bury the talent. The kingdom of heaven is like the sheep and the goat, a separation that happens. So he gives us these three parables back to back to tell us what the kingdom of heaven is like. Most of the time what we do is we separate those three, but they really all go together to paint a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says this, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, will be given into your lap. For whatever measure you are measured out will be measured back to you. This is a kingdom principle. In fact, you can tell that it's a kingdom principle because the verse right before it says, don't judge, lest you be judged. It's not actually, uh, uh, we, we read that. Don't judge, lest you be judged. Oof. Whatever measure you pour out will be given to you. Give. So a lot of people use this as a financial statement, which it is. It is a giving statement, but it's an everything statement. It's a, if you judge, it'll be judged to you. If you give, it'll be given to you. If you love, it'll be loved back to you. If you're hateful, it'll be hateful back to you. How many of you guys ran into someone who's hateful and you gave them attitude back? Anybody? Come on, be honest. I do it, right? And you're like, ah, oh, I shouldn't measure it back to them, right? And you're like, nope, I'm not gonna measure it back to them. But that is a kingdom spiritual principle is that that's the way it works, that it's measured back to you. But this interesting idea of being shaken and pressed, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. I don't know about you guys, but I wanna be the type of believer that is overflowing with the gifts that are given to me. I don't wanna be overflowing with judgment. I don't want to be overflowing with lack. I don't want to be overflowing with sickness. I want to be overflowing with the good things of God. Amen? Amen? But in order to do that, we have to recognize that there must be a pressing. If we don't go through the pressing, we might not be overflowing. Okay? And let me explain that to you. Now, these, these virgins were actually in their lamps. Do you know what it was used in their lamps? Do you know what the oil was they used? Anybody? Olive oil. That's correct. Olive oil. Not Popeye's girlfriend. The oil that you cook with. It's an old joke right there, right? Olive oil. So, I know, some people don't know. Some people don't know. Um, so, 
Olive oil was the oil that was used in the lamps. So I want to teach you something about oils today, okay? I want to teach you something about the olive oil. And then tonight I want to get into the olive tree and the other trees. Tonight we're going to talk about the oil. Later on we'll talk about all the different trees and how significant they can be to us. So don't miss tonight at 6.30. But Pastor Ren, it's Father's Day. Are you going to cancel it? Most of the fathers don't even show up on Father's Day anyway. Do you know that Mother's Day is the second highest attended day uh, for church in America? Did you know that? Second highest to Easter. You know what the lowest attended day on, uh, in, in church is? Father's Day. Father's Day. Let me tell you something, men. If you don't tar- start taking the Word of God seriously, if you don't start getting pressed with the Word of God, if you don't start carrying the oil for your family, you will be like the foolish virgins and you'll be left out of it while your wife goes in and your children go in. Our men need to be the one that are carrying the oil in our family, the anointing, the fire, the light. If we don't, we'll be left out. America is full of foolish men who'd rather barbecue on Father's Day and don't realize that they'll spend eternity barbecuing when they act like that. Oh, Pastor Ren, you can't say that. You can't say that. You're not being seeker sensitive. Somebody's going to get offended. I'd rather you be offended at me and not burn. Look, here's the truth. You will burn no matter what. No, every one of you will burn. You will either burn here for God or you'll burn later. It's all about location, location, location. Hallelujah. Olive oil is the most interesting of oil. In fact, it's amazing that we don't use it today. We use fossil fuels. But did you know that olive oil burns 99% pure? 99% pure. It is the most burning, or excuse me, the purest burning oil in existence it's the purest isn't that so interesting we know that now that it's the purest but it's interesting because that oil is actually the oil that was chosen to be burned in the sanctuary the temple of god they chose oil to burn in the temple olive oil in particular to burn in the temple no other oil fats can be oils uh whale fat was a common oil that was used back in the day obviously petroleum and all of that but olive oil burns 99% pure. Now, some of you are like, it does? I put it in my pans all the time. It's never caught fire. It's okay. I'm going to light it on fire in a little bit. Don't worry. But the way in which olive oil is made is actually quite interesting. Okay, somebody want a horticultural lesson today? We're going to get a little horticultural lesson here, okay? A little botany. Some of you are like, I don't know those big words. Um, So it burns 99% clean but it must be processed to get that way it starts out as guess what an olive oh look at that i got some wise virgins in the room and marrieds okay (laughs) so when you when you when an olive is actually grown it's actually very bitter you guys know that olives are very bitter um when uh pastor isaac came from kenya I had a thing of olives and I would just snack on some olives. And he saw those and goes, what's those? And I'm like, what's those? And I was like, olives. And he goes, olives? He had never seen olives, okay? They're not uncultured there, but for whatever reason, Kenya, olives, that's not a food thing. So, so I'm like, here, try some. And I kind of chuckled. He put them in his mouth and immediately he's like, ah, ah, ah. He spit it out. He's like, that is terrible. Why would you eat that? And so I ate one through the lens of a fresh perspective. If I had never tried this, what would I think? And I put it in my mouth and I said, man, that's bitter. That kind of is a weird taste. It's an acquired taste. 
okay? But olives, before they are processed, are actually way bitter. You can't eat them, all right? And so what they would do is, first of all, did you guys know that olives actually have seeds in them? You guys know that? You get them at the store and you're like, man, these seeds are weird. They're just like little, little red, little, little sweet things inside. No, those are not the seeds. Those are added later. Those holes that you see through them is where the seed has been extracted. So they've been pierced through to extract the seed. So the first thing that has to happen to an olive before it becomes oil is the seed is extracted. Then what they would do is they would get uh, the ancient Israel. It was one of the greatest imports of, of ancient days was oil, was olive oil in particular, frankincense, myrrh. Olive oil is one of the four ingredients that was used in the anointing oil of the temple. Okay, it was used to anoint priests. Now, extra virgin olive oil is referred to as the first press or cold press. Okay, those are two different things, uh, but the cold press, the first, the very first pressing produces the purest oil. The very first pressing, that's going to be important, produces the purest oil. And so the purest oil was used in the temple to light the candles. The menorah, the seven candelabra in the temple, the menorah, the oil was used to, it was the purest oil. Well, wouldn't you, wouldn't you burn like the secondary oil for fuel? Why would you, you know, the secondary oil was used for medicinal purposes and religious ceremonies. Isn't that crazy? You'd think it'd be the other right way around. I think God is trying to tell us something about pure oil and the way it burns in the temple. So what would happen is they'd get this giant stone, okay? And it looked something like the Flintstones would have, and they would crush the, the olives. So they would first go on the stone, and they'd be rolled and crushed. And they had different kinds of crushers. There's a couple different kinds, depending on the time or the place. But typically, it was a stone with a lever, and it'd roll around and crush all of the olives and get them nice and smashed up real good. Then they would collect all of those crushed olives. They'd place them in a basket. And I'll show a picture in a little bit, just not yet. But they'd place it in a basket. And then another stone would sit on top of that basket with a lever attached to the stone. And they'd press down on that. And it would press the stone into the basket. And underneath was, was a basin that had um, grooves in it where all of the juice from the oil would flow into and then flow into a container of some sort. So they had different ones. If they didn't have a lever to press it with a stone, uh, they made these screws. So they'd take a wooden plate around a metal screw and they would you know, tighten it down on stone and press these, these baskets to press the juice out of the oil. Let's see where it's doing that. It's loose. So we press the oil out and they press the juice of the oil and then they'd let that sit for a little while, uh, sometimes a couple of days, and the oil and the water of the juice would separate. And then they were able to take the, the purest oil and just the pure oil off of those two things. So that's how olive oil can be made. Amen? So it would be pressed into oil. The only way to extract the sweet the valuable, the flammable oil of an olive is for it to be pierced, crushed, and pressed. Pierced, crushed, and pressed. So just to give you an idea, uh, when we talk about anointing in the Bible, let me give you the, the simple definition. When David was anointed king, it meant that oil was poured over him and he was positioned king. Anointing position, okay? Anointing assignment, 
That's one of the things that we call anointing. So when you're anointed, it says that David was anointed king. He was positioned as king. Aaron was anointed as high priest. He was positioned as high priest. But one of the things we see that happened with anointing is when that anointing comes, there's also a coming of the Spirit of God upon them. So David was anointed as king, and it said the Spirit of God came upon him and stayed with him. Saul was anointed king and he began to prophesy. Uh, so, so many times when you see uh, uh, Aaron was anointed high priest. So along with positioning comes giftings, comes outflowing. And so in the church body, when we say that man is so anointed, the, the real definition is we're saying that man is so positioned. Right? He's, he's, so, he's so titled. And that's not really what we're trying to say. When we say the word anointed, what we're saying is they have the Holy Spirit flowing out of them like oil. There is oil on their life, anointing oil. Oil is leaking off their life. Something of the power of God, the gifts of God are coming. So anointing equals authority. You hear me prophesying early because I am anoint, uh, earlier because I am anointed to prophesy. I am anointed as the pastor and shepherd of this house and God has anointed me with giftings to lay hands and see people get healed, to prophesy. So there is oil that leaks out of my life. Do you understand that? But in order to get that oil, there was a pressing I had to go through. See, what happens is all the time we come in here and we want to whine. Oh, the devil done beat me up. He's so mean. We think everything is a devil and sometimes we don't recognize when we're just being pressed because there's some oil that needs to be pushed out of us. That God has decided that we need some oil in our lamps. That our vessels need to be filled with oil lest we run dry of oil and the enemy leaves us in outer darkness and we are not invited into the wedding feast. We want to be in relationship with the Lord and the Lord has called us, but if we can't get there because we can't see where we're going because we got no oil, it's the oil of God that allows us to see where we're going. It's that that lights our path. It's the oil of God pressed into our lives. We must have oil. So let me tell you what the anointing does. What does the anointing do, Pastor Ren? I'm glad you asked that question. There's a few things that the anointing of God will do in your life. One, it brings the Spirit of the Lord upon you, as I said. Luke 4, 18 and 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives, recovering the sight to the blind, to deliver those who are crushed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord or the favor of God. Anointing puts the spirit on you to set others free. Amen? If you haven't seen anybody coming free through you, it's because you ain't carrying no oil and you need to let him press you some. Ooh. So nobody wants to be pressed. Everybody wants to have the oil. Nobody likes the pressing. Nobody likes the stepping out in faith, do they, Colin? That's scary, right? We're just going to give up everything. Go for what the Lord says. Woo! That's scary. That is being pressed. This morning I was pressed, man. Everything was pressing me for time, pressing me for patience. I was being pressed this morning. That's why I said I'm going to start preaching about the Lord says he's going to give you a billion dollars because he's always making me walk through what I preach. Woo! So I got pressed this morning. Do you really believe that? It wasn't terrible stuff. It was just, hey, you're going to need a little oil for this morning. You want to get people free? You want to help them walk in peace? Then you're going to have to press that out. 
Number two, the anointing teaches you all about things. I know that's really, uh, that's really, I, I'm sorry if I talked above your head with that. I know that's really educated. The anointing teaches you about all things. First John chapter two, verse 27 says, as for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Anointing will teach you things you need to know and help you to abide in him. Why am I up here teaching you stuff then? Because some of you don't have enough oil. And you're having to borrow a little bit of mine. Where do I get my teaching? from my oil, from my anointing. The revelation I share with you is because the Lord has instructed me. The Lord has given me revelation. The Lord has spoken into me. Learn to let him teach you things, not just me. Amen? You won't get there if you're just waiting on me to teach you everything. If, if Sunday morning, if, if coming here is, come on, some, some of y'all, we give you, there's Wednesday night Bible study, there's Sunday night after party. Some of you guys the Holy Spirit is not teaching you anything all week long and all you show up to is Sunday morning. You're just one-third of what everyone else is going to get even when they just show up. You're not learning anything on your own. You're only showing up here Sunday morning and you wonder why every time you are pressed, you are broken. Instead of it producing oil, you're destroyed. Come on, stop being destroyed. Stop being destroyed. Somebody wants me to preach. At least one wants, you to, wants me to preach. Come on. Okay, we got two. We got two. You, you, wanna, you, want, you want more? Do you want more? You want more? Well, that means I got to press you a little harder. Yeah, that's what happens. You press a little more, guess what you get? A little more. It's the pressing when you drop that stone down and they press it. If it's just a little squeeze because we don't want to hurt them, then no oil comes out. You want all the oil or you want a little oil? Come on. Well, that means you've got to be pressed. So the anointing teaches you about all things. The next one is the anointing commissions you for your assignment. Exodus 30, 30. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister as priests to me. The anointing oil was poured onto the priests. Four specific oils that were poured on them. Okay, and one of them was the, the base of it was olive oil. It was poured on the priest, but like I said, it was the, per, the second pressing. Now today, we, we only really do first pressings, but it was the second pressing that was poured on them. God reserved the first pressing for the lamps, which I found quite interesting since God is always about the purest and the finest over mankind. This is the one time where that doesn't really happen. It was so interesting to me, and I'm unlocking the mystery of that, but I believe I have part of it. The anointing, it unlocks healing. James 5, 14 through 16 te teaches us about the healing of God through the anointing. I'm not going to quote each one of these scriptures for time, but I'm just going to tell them to you. Uh, Psalms 45, 7 tells us that the anointing brings joy. It's called the oil of joy. Very good. Good job, guys. Hebrews 1, 9 tells us that the anointing brings gladness because it tells us that there is an oil of joy. Oh, you guys are so good this morning. Gladness. Acts 10.38 tells us that the anointing brings power. 
you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. If you don't have the oil, you don't got the power. It brings holiness. Exodus 49, 40, verse 9, says, Then you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and shall consecrate it and all its furnishing, and it shall be holy. The oil in your life helps you to be holy. The oil brings light. It sustains the fire, Exodus 35, 38. Olive oil was used in the temple. So it sustains the fire. It brings the light into your life. Guess what oil doesn't do? Make you humble. So it might help you be holy, but it doesn't help you be humble. I've met a lot of people that carry the oil, but they also carry attitude. And here's the thing we can't do in the kingdom of God. Just because you got some oil doesn't mean you can have some attitude. You can't look at the next person and say, well, I got the oil, you got nothing, so I'm better than you. That's the problem in the body of Christ is that there's not enough humility with the oil. And if you learn to let the Lord press you properly, you'll humble yourself when he squeezes that oil out of you. There are a lot of people that they think because they got a lot of oil that somehow they're better than everybody else, and this is just not the case. The reality is, is that there's been oil left in the basket of their life, and they haven't allowed the Lord to press out the oil. So they think they got a lot, but there's more waiting on them. But they refuse to have the pressing, so there's no humility. If you allow what happens around you to press you instead of destroy you, you will find there is more oil in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? When things come against you, don't get whiny and complainy and gripey and mad and angry and bitter and jealous and frustrated. Let God humble you, make you holy, give you power by pressing the oil out of you and making you pure. Come on. Just as the olive branch represent peace. Remember what we're talking about today? <laughs> I said Psalms 83.1 as Shoshana had the dream that God's peace was coming on us. The olive branch represents peace. So the olive oil represents the spirit of Jesus, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the bringer of peace. So the olive oil represents Holy Spirit. We've seen that in the word. Isaiah 53, 5 says this. Are you ready for it to get, like, start? Mm, it's getting there. It's getting there. You're like, okay, we know about oil. We understand how to make it. That's good. We're going to make some oil later. We're going to have Arts and Crafts Day. It's going to be fantastic. Right? Everybody brought your smocks, right? Isaiah 53, 5 says this. Huh. And I want you to think of the olive as we go through this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. The seed was pushed out of the oil, the olive. And he was crushed for our iniquities. He was ground down like the olive. And punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. He was pierced. He was crushed. He was pressed to become our living oil. 
So Holy Spirit could bring the peace of God into our life, could bring victory and breakthrough and power and authority as he was pierced and crushed and pressed. In fact, where that pressing happened was actually before the cross. Many of us think, okay, well, that was the moment he was pierced then. But it actually happened even before that. The pressing began to happen before that with Jesus. You know, it says the last night before he went to the cross, it says that he went to a garden called Gethsemane. Anybody know what the name Gethsemane means? It means olive oil press. That's what Gethsemane means. It was the place where Jesus was pressed into the oil of anointing for us. His blood became our anointing. His blood became our covering. It became the thing that makes us holy when he shed his blood. But in that garden of Gethsemane, as he prayed, Lord, let this cup pass from me. What cup? The cup that he was about to be pressed into. This oil that was about to be poured out of him. His blood that was about to be poured out of him. As he prayed so fervently in there. See, there's a rare medical condition that we read about, and I'm going to try to say this right, and Shoshana, the nurse, might correct me here. Hematidrosis. Anywhere close? You don't know. Okay. Hematidrosis. It's a rare but very real medical condition that causes one's sweat to contain blood. The sweat glands are surrounded by tiny blood vessels that can constrict and then dilate to the point of rupture, causing blood flow to infuse into the sweat glands. The cause of hemodidrosis is extreme anguish. I'm just going to let that settle on you for a second. The thing that causes the blood to pour out of your sweat glands is when you are in extreme anguish. The word of God says that Jesus was sorrowful even unto death in both Matthew and Luke, or excuse me, in Matthew and uh, Mark. It tells us he was sorrowful even to death. In the other gospel accounts, we see that, that Jesus anguished. It says literally, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. But in the gospel of John, we read that he, like, like blood, came out of his pores as he sweat, as he toiled, as he prayed. And at that very moment, the oil of salvation, the oil of holiness, the oil of the light of the world dripped into the world and was released into the atmosphere in a grove of olives. Now, what's interesting is the word of God actually doesn't tell us where he prayed. It says that he separated himself. Now, Gethsemane is the garden. But right next to the garden was a mountainside cave where they have an olive press where it was pressed. And it says that Jesus separated himself to pray. And then he came back and found them asleep, which means they were in the garden and he was a little ways off where he could not see them. So it's very likely, very possible that Jesus actually separated himself to that cave where the press was near the olive trees. And he prayed in that cave in the pressing. Whew. Jesus. Is this good? Is this feeding anybody today? The greatest oil, the first pressing, did not happen on the cross. It happened in the garden. What was poured over us to keep us pure and holy? What was the righteousness of man? What's the blood that was poured over us? The cross, the second pressing, where he was stabbed and the blood of Jesus and the stripes 
where our healing happened. Healing. The medicinal oil was the second pressing. Healing was the stripes he bore. The religious ceremony, the pouring of oil over us, the pouring of his blood to bring cleansing and bring us into alignment was the second pressing at the cross. But the first pressing was in the garden. The first pressing, that drop of blood that came off of his head and leaked into the atmosphere where the world first trembled when the blood of God entered the, our natural state. The first pressing of the oil, which was used to what? Light the fire. Where Jesus becomes the light of the world, a light into our path where he becomes the lamp under our feet to guide us and lead us. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. We are the carriers and the lamp. I want you to see this. I don't have time to wait for the science experiment to finish, but you see already in just a few minutes that the container has begun to catch the oil. It has begun to even out. What will happen is, as this stays in there, these will even out. It will transfer water. But here's what's amazing about this, is that many people use this method to purify water. If there's sediment and grains and things in the water, it will actually purify as it goes up and in. It comes through. It comes out pure. It's an old trick to release distilled water. So there's a purification process that goes through that. What's being purified? What enters the wick is pure. I want you to say this, that God has made us a vessel, but our job is not to create our own oil. Our job is to be pressed for the oil that's in us, but what's supposed to be in us is what we're connected to, and that's the oil of God. Amen. We are called to live in the oil of God, the never ending supply lest we run dry of our own see the virgins the foolish ones thought that they should just have their own oil in just a little bit i have just enough oil to carry me through to next sunday i came to church and i bought some oil i tithed pastor preach a good sermon all right i'll tithe that was worth it that was a five dollar sermon i'll give i'm not preaching tithe i'm saying we want just enough oil to get us through the week and then when something goes awry, when something out of the ordinary, or Jesus calls us to something greater, we find we have no oil and we can't do it. We're on empty, we're running dry because we are not wicking off of the one that's oil never runs out. We are not, we are just called to be the wick. We are called to soak up the presence of God, release it into our vessel and to others. Here's the great thing, if I'm the wick, I can release it into my vessel, but I can put it in another's vessel as well. It's my wick. I can move it where I want. I can pour it out. Hallelujah. So as it drips in, a continual, steady supply of the oil as it's needed so the vessel does not run dry. Do you know you can use this in plants? You can place this in your soil if it's water, and it will slowly wick water into your plants. It's a great tool to use if you're going on vacation. So it stays constantly soaked. And the soil will stop wicking when it's damp and, and, and doesn't need anymore. It will stay filled. We keep going through a process where we empty ourselves out and realize we are no longer connected. And then we pour out what we have and we go, Lord, I'm drained, I'm empty. But when you stay connected to the source, when you stay connected to the oil of God, 
You will not run short in the name of Jesus. See, oil is the most pure burning substance of mankind. Now, if some of you say, well, your oil looks a little different in this one, it's because I didn't have time to wait for oil to drip, so I had to use uh, apple juice. See if this works. I didn't test this out at all, so we're going to see fire alarms go off. Police will show up. We're used to it. Right? We'll burn some stuff up. Did you guys even know you could do this? Hallelujah. How many of you guys understand that Jesus lights my fire? He lights my path. He lights my way. But if I don't stay connected, that oil will eventually burn out. That oil will eventually run out unless I stay connected to the source. Unless I allow him to be the light and to light my path. Him to be my substance, my fire. See, there's fire being poured out in this season. And the question is, is do you have fire because the music is good? That oil will run dry. Do you have fire because the preaching is good? That oil will run dry. Man, I can give you all kinds of one-liners that'll make you go, ooh, dang, yeah. And you'll walk out of here and not remember a single word I said. Because that oil will run dry. But what will not run dry is when you are connected to the source that teaches you everything, that reveals the mysteries of the word of God. We have to be a people that are so connected to the oil of God, amen? So here's what happened in the word of God. I want to tell you this, that in this season, as you've been pressed, there is oil coming out of you. Do not fear the pressing. I know that it's hard sometimes. I know that it's hard, but Jesus understands he was crushed. He was pierced. And he was pressed in the Garden of Gethsemane for the oil to come out into your life. But the first pressing was for the fire of God. I want you to hear me here. Why? Why I need the oil. I need Jesus' blood. Why? So I can be healed. Why I need Jesus' blood so I can be holy. I need Jesus' blood so I can be forgiven. That's not what the Word says. The Word says, tells me that his first act was to press for fire. We are first called to have the fire of God and with it, everything else will be added to us. If you don't carry the fire, your holiness will diminish. Your righteousness will go. Your salvation will wane. Your closeness to God will distance. Your purity will will be out the door. Your joy, say goodbye. Your peace, adios. Your gladness, sayonara. How many more languages do I got to say it? It's going to keep going. But if you let God's fire burn in you first, don't let the fire go out because you disconnect from him. We cannot live the Sunday Christian life where we are connected to him on Sunday, we worship him on Sunday, but we're worldly on Monday. Because we will run out of oil every time we disconnect. It's our connection to him that allows us to get the oil that keeps us on fire. And purity and righteousness will come second. It's the least of the oils. Is that, a, is that completely just change the perception and perspective that we're to carry? 
It's the fire of God first. And everything else will come from it. Amen? Let me say this. I don't know what you've impressed. I See, the enemy likes to come against us, and he thinks he's going to come and devour us, but what he doesn't do is realize that we are being pressed. How do I know? Jesus was pressed. Let me show you a picture of an olive oil press so you can see what that looks like when oil is pressed out of olives for the first time and the first uh, pressing. Put that up there for me. Can any of you see that? Do you see what color the oil is that comes out of olives on the first pressing? It is red. It is dark colored blood red. This golden oil comes out of blood red. The golden oil of God comes out of blood red. Hallelujah. Come on, turn the lights back on. Hallelujah. That's what God does for us. That's what God does for us. He was pressed. The oil, the pressing, the oil represents his blood that was shed for you. He was pressed for you. So every time the enemy comes into your life and tries to press you, he tries to shake you. I want you to remember what I said in the very beginning. Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure. Press down. Shaken together, overflowing, will be given into your lap. For whatever measure you measure out will be measured back to you. Whatever you are pressed by the enemy will be pressed out in your life for oil if you allow it to be put on the altar. If you allow your life to spend its life, if you allow your life to be spent on the altar of God, whenever the enemy presses you, it will just produce oil. Ha. It will just produce oil. So start producing oil, not attitude. But the enemy has come against me and he's really just defeated me. Man, the enemy is rude. And I'm not, I'm not diminishing what the enemy has come against you with. Man, we face some stuff, y'all. I Trust me, I'm a pastor. I get it. You know, you guys are like, oh, you're funny. You make lots of jokes. People have asked me, why do you make so many jokes? Why are you so humorous all the time? Because the weight of the things that come on me, that press me, that press you, that I come and stand with you on and get in the, in the press and get pressed with you would crush any person if he, if he spent all his time taking the little things so serious. You just don't know the hardest moments I walk through with their life when they lose a spouse, when they lose a loved one, when they find out they're broken, they get a, a bad report from the doctor. I walk through the darkest moments of people's lives as they are pressed. And so I'm not going to let go of my oil of gladness and my oil of joy. Amen? Amen. You've got to hold on to those oils with everything you have to see it happen. We're going to see some people pressed today. We're going to see some people have some new wine poured out of them, some new oil poured out of them with some baptisms today in just a minute. But let me say this. I don't know what the enemy stole from you. I don't know what the enemy was trying to do to you when he tried to kill you. But God is going to make sure that he can't kill you, that he can only press you. And what's going to come out of you is going to be greater than what he thought he was trying to take from you in the first place. You're about to be renewed, restored, and given more than you ever had before. Amen? The Word of God says that what the enemy steals from you, he owes you seven times what he stole. Did you know that? The Word of God says whatever he steals from you, he must repay you sevenfold. So some of you are about to get a sevenfold repayment as the enemy has come to steal, but all he's done is press out the oil. 
Come on, Jesus. And how many of you guys understand the oil was worth a lot of money? The oil was a currency in the Old Testament. You could pay people with oil. The enemy is about to be robbed when he tried to rob you. So you're about to get sevenfold repayment. Now, here's the thing. That's just when the enemy tries to steal. The word of God says when he steals from you, he, when he's caught, he has to repay you sevenfold. Woo! But some of you, he, you didn't get stolen from, you got put in bondage. You didn't just wake up and, and being a good Christian and doing everything right, and the enemy still got in there and stole something. We've all gone through that. We are like, seriously, I did everything right and it still got stolen. That's stealing. But some of us are in bondage, and maybe you came in today and you're like, man, I'm in bondage. I got good news for you. I've got some great news for you in bondage. You get sevenfold when you get stolen. But the word of God tells us that when they left Egypt out of bondage and captivity, that they were allowed to plunder all of Egypt. So you get sevenfold when you're stolen from, but when you get set free of bondage, you get to plunder the enemy of everything. So some of you need to stop worrying and judging yourself for your bondage and say, all right, I'm about to get free. I'm going to get everything. Hallelujah. Some of you are going to get sevenfold and some of you are going to get it all. See, some of you are like, right now, dang it, I need to get in some bondage for a minute. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Take your sevenfold and be happy. Hallelujah. See, when you come out of bondage, you get salvation. And salvation is everything. Though there will be many troubles in this world, take heart, I've overcome the world. You're promised eternal life, and whatever happens in the blink of the eye, as we are dust, will fade away. But what happens in eternity is forever. What happens in eternity forever. So I want to give an opportunity this morning. I'm going to pray for you guys, and we're going to baptize some. So if you're going to get baptized this morning, and if you are not prepared to get baptized, but you say this morning, I want a fresh washing. I need a fresh oil. I need a fresh outpouring. I need to get clean. I need to get set free of bondage. I need to get back what the enemy stole. I need a baptism. If you've never been baptized in this morning, you want to make that confession of faith. That confession that says, man, I'm ready. I'm ready, for, I'm ready to go in and get the oil squeezed out of me. I'm ready for the old man to be squeezed out and dead and buried and crushed and pierced through. I'm ready to pick up my cross like Jesus and be pierced through. I'm ready to pick up my cross like Jesus and be crushed. He was crushed for us. The old man needs to die. So the oil can emerge. The old man needs to be pierced and crushed and gone. So the oil can emerge. Amen. We want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email. And let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom.